The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Does it seem to you there's a growing fascination with horror in the world? Is Halloween the best time to talk about the subject? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. In an age when we are fully capable, and some would say even ready, willing, and able, to bring on the destruction of human life on Earth, why do we see a decreasing belief in God in the afterlife? And why are kids today so enchanted with notions of vampires, zombies, and end-of-the-world scenarios? This growing trend seems to manifest itself most readily at Halloween time, uh, October 31st, when young kids going door-to-door in costume are less in the news than teens overdosing on computer games or heroin in an attempt to escape the reality of day-to-day life. Even as church membership is taking a nosedive, movies about plagues, famine, nuclear war, and survival of the fittest abound. Is this new to our way of thinking, or is there a corollary to be found in the past? Well, one thing that comes to mind is the traditional notion of a hell to come for those who are an offense to God and one another in this life on earth. This scenario was made real to believers through traditional church teachings in the past, and even today about 20% of NDEs are distressing, frightening to some extent. Well, as I see it, the big theological argument underlying all this is the debate between those who argue either that we must love ourselves before we can love each other, or those who say we must forgo our selfish behavior and turn away from our self-love to being good to God and one another. So, is there wisdom or danger in first loving ourselves? Can we love God and each other if we don't love ourselves first? But what if we don't get past step one in the process? and only serve ourselves. Guests on this program seem to express the love ourselves first argument far more than the second. So for this, our getting ready for Halloween program, I'm going to counterbalance by offering up some visions of hell from a selection of saints and visionaries from the Middle Ages up to the 20th century. Uh, so here's to a worry-filled Halloween. But first, let me give you some... Uh, religious context. The Old Testament of the Bible offers uh, more than 30 references to the existence of hell. For instance, quote, the sorrows of death have come past me and the perils of hell have found me. That's from Psalm 114. Quote, for the Lord Almighty will take revenge on them in the day of judgment. He will visit them for he will give fire and worms into their flesh that they may burn and may feel forever. And that's the book of Judith, uh, chapter 16. Quote, Depart from me, come not near me, because thou art unclean. These shall be smoke in my anger, a fire burning all the day. Isaiah, chapter 65. A fire is kindled in my watch and shall burn even to the lowest hell. I will heap evils upon the transgressors of my law and will spend my arrows among them. Deuteronomy 32. The congregation of sinners is like tow heaped together, and the end of them is a flame of fire. Ecclesiastes 21. 
He shall be punished for all he did, and yet shall not be consumed. He shall burn, and every sorrow shall fall upon him. All darkness is hid in his secret places. A fire that is not kindled shall devour him. Job chapter 20. In the New Testament, in the Gospels, Jesus refers to hell more often than heaven. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says, But I say to you that whosoever is angry with his brother shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say, You fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Matthew chapter 5. The Son of Man shall send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all who cause others to sin and all evildoers. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Matthew 13. In Mark's gospel, Jesus warns, And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, into the unquenchable fire. Mark 9. And a description of the last judgment in the in Revelation clearly makes the point, quote, And I saw the dead great and small, standing in presence of the throne. And the book book was opened, and another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by those things which were written in the books according to their work. Death and hell gave up their dead that were, that were in them, and they were judged, every one, according to their works. And hell and death were cast into the pool of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the pool of fire. Revelation 20. Now let's look at some of the visions, the dreams and visions that uh, some of the mystics have had of hell. Uh, the great 16th century mystic and doctor of the church, uh, Teresa of Avila, claims to have had this experience of hell. She wrote, While I was in prayer one day, I suddenly found that without knowing how, I had seemingly been put in hell. I understood that the Lord wanted me to see the place of devils, the place the devils had prepared there for me, and which I merited because of my sins. This experience took place within the shortest space of time, but even were I to live for many years, I think it would be impossible for me to forget it. It sounds like an NDE, doesn't it? The entrance, it seems to me, was similar to a very long and narrow alleyway, like an oven, low and dark and confined. The floor seemed to me to consist of dirty, muddy water emitting a foul stench and swarming with putrid vermin. At the end of the alleyway, a hole that looked like a small cupboard was hollowed out in the wall. There I found I was placed in a cramped condition. All of this was delightful to see in comparison to with what I felt there. What I have described can hardly be exaggerated. What I felt, it seems to me, cannot even begin to be exaggerated, nor can it be understood I experienced a fire in the soul <clears throat> that I don't know how to I could describe. The bodily pains were so unbearable that though I had suffered excruciating ones in this life, and according to what doctors say, the worst that could be suffered on earth, uh, for all my nerves were shrunken when I was paralyzed, plus many other sufferings of many kinds that I endured, there were all nothing in comparison with the ones I experienced there. I saw furthermore that they would go on without end, and without ever ceasing. This, however, was nothing next to the soul's agonizing, a constriction, a suffocation, an affliction so keenly felt 
with such a despairing and tormenting unhappiness that I don't know how to word it strongly enough. To say the experience is as though the soul were continually being wrested from the body would be insufficient, for it would make you think somebody else is taking away the life, whereas here it is the soul itself that tears itself in pieces. The fact is that uh, I don't know how to give a sufficiently powerful description of the interior fire and that despair coming in addition to such extreme torments and pain. I didn't see who inflicted them on me. But as it seemed to me, I felt myself burning and crumbling. And I repeat, the worst was that interior fire and despair. Being in such an unwholesome place, so unable to hope for any consolation, I found it impossible either to sit down or lie down, nor was there any room, even though they put me in this kind of a hole made in the wall. Those walls, which were terrifying to see, closed in on themselves and suffocated everything. There was no light, but all was enveloped in the blackest darkness. I don't understand how this could be, that everything painful to see was visible. The Lord didn't want me to see any more of hell at at that time. Afterwards, I saw another vision of frightful things, the punishment of some vices. With respect to the sight, they seemed much more frightening, but since I didn't feel the pain, that they didn't cause me so much fear. For in the former vision, the Lord wanted me actually to feel those spiritual torments and afflictions as though the body were suffering. I don't know how such an experience was possible, but I well understood that it was a great favor and that the Lord desired me to see with my own eyes the place his mercy had freed me from. It amounts to nothing to hear these pains spoken of, nor have I at other times thought about different torments, although not many since my soul did not farewell with such fearful thoughts that is the devil's tear off the flesh with pincers or other various tortures I've read about uh, that are anything in comparison to this pain it is something different in some as a resemblance to the reality being burned here on earth is very little when compared to being burned by the fire that is there Take a look at another uh, of the mystics. This is Veronica Giuliani. She lived 1660 to 1727. She was a pretty famous Italian mystic of the 18th century, and one day the devil showed her a vision of hell. She wrote, It seems that the tempter showed my soul, my soul hell being opened, and that in fact he had placed it, my soul that is, in it and that only a small push was needed to cast it inside. It seemed then that I heard screams and voices of lamentation from the damned. I only saw infernal monsters, many serpents, many ferocious animals, and an infernal stench and extremely hot flames, which were so big that their height could not be measured. I could only compare it to the distance between heaven and earth. As far as the size of the place, one could not see the beginning or the end. You could hear many blasphemies and curses against God. How sad. What torment this caused my soul. And then Veronica was shown hell once more. and She wrote, At that moment, I was once again shown hell opened, and it seemed many souls descended there. They were so ugly and black that they struck terror in me. They all dropped down in a rush, one after the other. And once they had entered those chasms, 
There was nothing to be seen but fire and flames. This vision led Veronica to offer herself as a victim uh, to divine justice. And she wrote, My Lord, I offer myself to stand here as a doorway so that no one may enter down there and lose you. And then she stretched out her arms and said, As long as I stand in this doorway, no one shall enter. O oh, souls, go back. My God, I ask nothing else of you but the salvation of sinners. Send me more pains, more torments, more crosses. And then Mary sp- spoke to Veronica about her trips to hell and told her, When you were going around hell, you came across torments and tormentors at every step. But that time when you went by the seat of Lucifer, you were terrified at seeing so many souls who were on the seat of Lucifer himself. This is the center of hell and is seen by all the damned, by all the devils. And this sight causes all of them great suffering. I also let you know that in the same way that the sight of God in paradise constitutes paradise itself, down there in hell, the sight of Lucifer is what constitutes hell. Mary also told her, Many do not believe that hell exists, and I tell you yourself, you have been there, you who have been there have understood nothing of what hell is. Another uh, saint, St. John Bosco, in 1868, claimed to have had a dream about hell. And here's an excerpt uh, from his writing. As soon as I crossed its threshold, I felt an indescribable terror and dared not take another step. Ahead of me, I could see something like an immense cave, which gradually disappeared into recesses sunk far into the bowels of the mountains. They were all ablaze, but theirs was not an earthly fire with leaping tongues of flames. The entire cave, walls, ceiling, floor, iron, stones, wood, and coal, everything was glowing white at temperatures of thousands of degrees. Yet the fire did not incinerate, did not consume. I I simply can't find words to describe the cavern's horror. My guide seized my hand, forced it open, and pressed it against the first of the thousand walls. The sensation was so utterly excruciating that I leaped back with a scream and found myself sitting up in bed. My hand was stinging and I kept rubbing it to ease the pain. When I got up this morning, I noticed that it was swollen. Having my hand pressed against the wall, though only in a dream, felt so real that later the skin of my palm peeled off. Bear in mind that I have tried not to frighten you with very much, and so I have not described these things in all their horror as I saw them and as they impressed me. We know that our Lord always portrayed hell in symbols because had he described it as it really is, we would not have understood him. No mortal can comprehend these things. And we have um, uh, in the memoirs of Sister Lucy, who is one of the children uh, at at the um, apparitions in Fatima, if you know the story, Fatima, Portugal, back in 1917, there were three, I think, three children, yes, who um, experienced the visions of um, Mary, and she showed them things and told them things, um, including prophecies of the future. But in this description, um, one of the children, Sister Lucy, when she grew up, described the vision of hell that 
uh, Our Lady, she says, showed the children at Fatima. She opened her hands once more, and as she had done the two previous months, the rays of light appeared to penetrate the earth, and we saw, as it were, a, a vast sea of fire of the damned. The latter were like transparent burning embers, all blackened or burnished bronze, having human forms. They were floating about in that conflagration, now raised into the air by the flames which issued from them, from within themselves, together with great clouds of smoke. Now they fell back on every side like sparks in huge fires, without weight or equilibrium amid shrieks and groans of pain and despair, which horrified us and made us tremble with fright. Must have been this sight which caused me to cry out as people said they heard me. The demons were distinguished from the souls of the damned by their terrifying and repellent likeness to frightful and unknown animals, black and transparent like burning coals. That vision only lasted for a moment, thanks to uh, our good Heavenly Mother, who at the first apparition had promised to take us to heaven. Without that, I think we would have died of terror and fear. And this is a, a vision from a more recent uh, saint of the Catholic Church, uh, Sister Faustina, Mary Faustina, who wrote a lovely little prayer that I like to recite. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Saint Mary Faustina, nun from Poland, was uh, canonized by uh, uh, Pope John Paul II on April 30th, 2000. But a vision led her to visit hell in 1936, about which she wrote, quote, Today I was led by an angel to the chasms of hell. It is a place of great torture. How awesomely large and extensive it is. The kinds of tortures I saw. <clears throat> the first torture that constitutes hell is the loss of God. The second is perpetual remorse of conscience. The third is that one's condition will never change. The fourth is the fire that will penetrate the soul without destroying it, a terrible suffering since it is a purely spiritual fire lit by God's anger. The fifth torture is continual darkness and a terrible suffocating smell, and despite the darkness, the devils and the souls of the damned see each other and all the evil both of others and their own. The sixth torture is the constant company of Satan. The seventh torture is the horrible despair, hatred of God, vile words, curses, and blasphemies. These are the tortures suffered by all the damned together, but that is not the end of the sufferings. There are special tortures destined for particular souls. These are the torments of the senses. Each soul undergoes terrible and indescribable sufferings related to the manner in which it had sinned. There are caverns and pits of torture where one form of agony differs from another. I would have died at the very sight of these tortures if the omnipotence of God had not supported me. Let the sinner know that he will be tortured throughout all eternity in those senses which he made use of to sin. I am writing this at the command of God so that no soul may find an excuse by saying there is no hell or that nobody ever has ever been there. And so no one can say what it is like. I, Sister Faustina, by the order of God, have visited the abysses of hell so that I might tell souls about it and testify to its existence. 
I cannot speak about it now, but I have received a command from God to leave it in writing. The devils were full of hatred for me, but they had to obey me at the command of God. What I have written is but a pale shadow of the things I saw. But I noticed one thing, that most of the souls there, those who disbelieved that there is a hell, were those who disbelieved that there is a hell. When I came to, I could hardly recover from the fright. How terribly souls suffer there. Consequently, I pray even more fervently for the conversion of sinners. I incessantly plead God's mercy upon them. Oh, my Jesus, I would rather be in agony until the end of the world amidst the greatest sufferings than offend you by the least sin. Now, there's uh, another sister, uh, Sister Josefa Menendez. Uh, she lived from 1890 to uh, 1923, just uh, she died at the age 33. And um, the following is quoted from uh, a book, Way of Divine Love, that she wrote. It first appeared in 1938 uh, in French and was then translated into numerous languages. Sister Josefa was a Spanish nun of the Society of the Sacred Heart and lived only four years as a religious at a convent in Poitiers, France, where she died at the age of 33. The way of divine love consisted largely of her notebook. Uh, this young Spanish sister who had a short religious life of great suffering experienced revelations throughout much of her life compiled in the way of divine love. More than once she was taken to hell to witness and, and feel the suffering firsthand. Sister Josepha was reluctant to write on the subject of hell, but did so to conform to God's wishes. She repeatedly dwelled on what she described as the greatest torment of hell, namely the soul's inability to love. One of these damned souls cried out, quote, This is my torture that I want to love and cannot. There is nothing left me but hatred and despair. If one of us could so much as make a single act of love, but we cannot. We live on hatred and malevolence. She records, too, the accusations made against uh, themselves by these unhappy souls. Some yell because of the martyrdom of their hands. Perhaps they were thieves, for they say, where is our loot now, cursed hands? Others curse their tongues, their eyes, whatever the occasion of sin. Now, O oh body, you are paying the price of the delights you granted yourself, and you did it of your own free will. I saw several souls fall into hell, and among them was a child of 15, cursing her parents for not having taught her to fear God, nor that there was a hell. Her life had been a short one, she said, but full of sin, for she had given in to all that her body and passions demanded in the way of satisfaction. My soul fell into abysmal depths, the bottom of which cannot be seen, for it is immense. And then I was pushed into one of those fiery cavities and pressed as it were, between burning planks and sharp nails and red-hot iron seemed to be piercing my flesh. I felt as if they were endeavoring to pull out my tongue, but could not. This torture reduced me to such agony that my very eyes seemed to be starting out of their sockets. I think this was because of the fire which burns, burns. Not a fingernail escapes terrifying torments, and all the time one cannot move even a finger to gain some relief nor change posture for the body seems flattened out and yet doubled in two. 
sounds of confusion and blasphemy cease not for an instant. A sickening stench asphyxiates and corrupts everything. It is like the burning of putrefied flesh mingled with tar and sulfur, a mixture to which nothing on earth can be compared. Although these tortures were terrific, they would be bearable if the soul were at peace, but it suffers indescribably. All I have written, she concluded, is but a shadow of what the soul suffers, for no words can express such dire torment. Others curse their tongues, their eyes, whatever the occasion of sin. Tonight, wrote Joseph, I did not go down into hell, but was transported to a place where all was obscure, but in the center was a red smoldering fire. They had laid me flat and so bound me that I could not make the slightest movement. Around me were seven or eight people. Their bodies were unclothed, and I could see them only by the reflections of the fire. They were seated and were talking together. One said, We'll have to be very careful not to be found out, for we might easily be discovered. The devil answered, Insinuate yourselves by inducing carelessness in them, but keep in the background so that you are not found out. By degrees they will become callous, and you will be able to incline them to evil. Tempt these others to ambition, to self-interest, to acquiring wealth without working, whether it be lawful or not. Excite some to sensuality and love of pleasure. Let vice blind them. As to the remainder, get in through the heart. You know the inclinations of their hearts. Make them love, love passionately. Work thoroughly. Take no rest. Have no pity. The world must go to damnation, and these souls must not be allowed to escape me. From time to time, Satan's satellites answered, We are your slaves. We shall labor unceasingly. And in spite of the many who war against us, we shall work night and day. We know your power. They all spoke together, and he whom I took to be Satan used words full of horror. In the distance I could hear a clamor as of feasting, the clinking of glasses, and he cried, Let them cram themselves with food. It will make, make it all the easier for us. Let them get on with their banqueting. Love of pleasure is the door through which you will reach them. He added such horrible things that they can neither be written nor said. Then, as if engulfed in a whirl of smoke, they vanished. Now, here's a Catholic version of what seems to be a near-death experience. Uh, it's told about Don Bosco, whom I uh, had that dream I read about earlier. A 15-year-old boy in Turin was about to die. He called for Don Bosco, but the saint was not able to make it in time. Another priest heard the boy's confession, and the boy died. When Don Bosco returned to Turin, he set out at once to see the boy, and when he to was told that the boy was dead, he insisted that it was just a misunderstanding. After a moment of prayer in the room of the dead child, Don Bosco suddenly cried out, Charles, rise! To the utter amazement of all present, the boy stirred, opened his eyes, and sat up. Seeing Don Bosco, his eyes lit up. Father, I should now be in hell, gasped the boy. Two weeks ago, I was with a a bad companion who led me into sin, and at my last confession I was afraid to tell everything. Oh, I've just come out of a horrible dream. I dreamt I was standing on the edge of a huge furnace surrounded by a horde of devils. They were about to throw me into the flames when a beautiful lady appeared and stopped them. There's still hope for you, Charles, she told me. You have not yet been judged. At that moment I heard you calling me, Oh, Don Bosco, what a joy it is to see you again. Will you please hear my confession? After hearing the boy's confession, Don Bosco said to the boy, 
Charles, now that the gates of heaven lie wide open for you, would you rather go there or stay here with us? The boy looked away for a moment, and his eyes grew moist with tears. An expectant hush fell over the room. Don Bosco, he said at last, I'd rather go to heaven. And the mourners watched in amazement as Charles leaned back on the pillows, closed his eyes, and settled once more into the stillness of death. Now that does sound like a near-death experience. To me, well... I'm afraid we are once again out of time, but that was our getting ready for Halloween show for today. Uh, I hope you have uh, a, a more joyous Halloween than these stories would represent. If you'd like to listen again to this or, or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. And to find out more about uh, IANS, go to their website at iands.org. And tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.